All right, everybody, now we got our microphones working here. We want to welcome you to the services of Grace Church at Franklin here uh, on Arno Road, Franklin, Tennessee. We're located at 4052 Arno Road, about 15 minutes south of Nashville, Tennessee. We want to welcome all of you who are here with us in person today, and those of you who may be tuning in by the Internet, you can watch us on YouTube, Ustream, Sermon Audio, Video, uh, you can order any studies. Uh, we don't charge for them. The Lord supplies through the people who worship here. We read in the Bible, Psalm 100, Make a joyful noise unto the Lord, all ye lands. Serve the Lord with gladness and come before his presence with singing. Joshua Watts, who normally leads our hymn singing, is not here today. And we want to be praying for Joshua and his family but you're here, and I'm here, and we trust that the Lord is here. And we have Linda's sister, Barbara, and her husband from up in <laughs> Washington State. We're glad to have them here today with us, uh, even after an accident. I appreciate that. That's very inspirational for you guys, for Barbara to come. And we pray that she'll have a complete healing if you want to use your hymnals, it should be up on the board. We're going to sing When We All Get to Heaven, 498. 498. Sing up there together. Sing the wondrous love of Jesus. Sing his mercy and his grace. Mansions bright and blessed, here prepare for us a place when we all get to heaven. What a day of rejoicing that will be. Streets of gold. 
shout the victory. Sing it one more time. When we all, when we all get, get to heaven, what a day of rejoicing that will be. everything off up here. I tell you, that's good singing. Let's pray, and then we're going to have some announcements. Our Father, we call upon you in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, who loved us, who gave himself for us. We are thankful for this day that the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. We're thankful for your blessings to us, and we do pray especially for Barbara, that you will heal her completely. We pray for others who've been sick, who are ill, and for some who are facing some problems in their bodies, Lord, we ask you to give them grace to trust you down in the valleys as well as when we're on the hilltop. We ask your blessings upon all that we do today in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, we pray for his sake. Amen. You may be seated. All right, Brother Todd. Good morning. Welcome on this beautiful Lord's Day. <clears throat> I want to take a moment to mention some prayer requests before the congregation. And you probably have noticed that Shirley Murphy is not here with us today. Shirley's <clears throat> brother's wife, Gail Adcox, did pass away this past week. Her funeral is going to be today <clears throat> at 2 p.m. at the Taylor Funeral Home in Dixon, Tennessee. And visitation will start around noon. <clears throat> Please remember her and that family and their loss. <clears throat> My Uncle Mike passed away also this past week, uh, and his funeral is going to be this Wednesday at Williamson Memorial Service at 11 a.m. with visitation starting at 9, so please continue to remember my mom and the rest of our family and that loss. Uh, also, uh, you, Bill may have announced this before I walked in, but Linda Foster's sister Barbara fallen and suffered a, what I was told a fracture. Is that correct? Two. Two? What was fractured? Pelvis, goodness gracious, uh, two, two fractures to her pelvis, so let's remember Barbara before the Lord. Uh, Carol, Carolyn Batts has requested continued prayer for her declining health. She is experiencing intermittent kidney failure and also extreme fatigue, so let's remember Carolyn. And Betty Hethcock broke a toe and separated the bones in her right foot. She will be in a boot for about five to six weeks, but thanks the Lord that no surgery is going to be required. She also says that she's going to be putting her house on the real estate market on May the 3rd and ask for God's guidance in that area as she looks to sell her property. <clears throat> Beth Moran is not here today. She's home with laryngitis, so let's remember Beth Moran. Uh, please also continue to remember Marie Dalton. She has a follow-up appointment tomorrow. Although she didn't say exactly what it was about, she did say she's had some recent tests that have revealed uh, some pro several problems in her medical condition, and they're going to talk about next steps tomorrow. So let's remember Marie. Also remember Paul Osborne as he continues to minister to his wife, Diane. As you may know, Diane suffered a stroke recently that blinded her in one eye and almost totally blinded her in, a, in the other eye. So let's remember both Paul and his wife, Diane. Continue to pray for Tabitha <clears throat> and also... We've been praying several, for several, quite some time now, excuse me, for this local police officer uh, that was diagnosed with COVID pneumonia. <clears throat> he was admitted to the hospital on January 1st. After a few weeks here locally in the hospital, he was flown to a Florida hospital where he could get more advanced treatment. 
I'm happy to say that they removed his trach this past week without complications, and this Wednesday, Lord willing, they're going to discharge him to return home. Mm -hmm. So we certainly praise the Lord for that. I also want to, of course, continue to remember our brother Calvin as he ministers to the needs of his wife, Judy. She's also having some GI issues, so let's lift her up before the Lord for that. Continue to remember Gary George. He's going to have prostate biopsy on May the 9th, and continue certainly to remember Howie Smith as he serves in our military. We do remind you that if you want to support the ministry here at Grace Church, there's an offering plate that's located in the foyer. Just feel free to stick, uh, stick your tithes or offerings in there. And let's pray for it to be used for the furtherance of God's uh, word as, as our pastor seeks, again, to serve him in a way that is pleasing to him. And let's, of course, lift him up every day, but especially today as he delivers the word to us and that the Lord would prepare us to hear and receive what he has for us. Is there any other announcements that I'm not aware of that you want to make? All right, thank you. I, I would like to add to that what Todd has already said, and let's remember uh, his, uh, his uncle's family, Mike Smiley. Lynn and I have known Mike uh, actually longer than we've known Todd and Pam and his mom, Kay, a long time. And uh, we uh, were really shocked when we heard about uh, him passing away. So pray for that. And uh, Gail Adcox is the name of Shirley Murphy's uh, sister-in-law. Lynn and I hope you will excuse us today. As soon as the services are over, uh, we're going to run out and try to get to that memorial service, which is over in Dixon, Tennessee, at Taylor's Funeral Home. Uh, so, you know, I've already made arrangements with a policeman that lives between here and there. And the, the arrangement is this. When you go through, I said, how much do I owe you? When he stops you for speeding, it's at hundred dollars. I said, well, let me go ahead and give you two hundred because I'm coming back in an hour. <laughs> All right. Let's sing Work for the Night is Coming. You're gonna need a hymnal, I think, for this. 439. Work for the night is coming. Work through the morning.
of you have heard that song. That's an old, old, old hymnal. All right, I love to tell the story. 431. 431, I love to tell the story of unseen things above. sing for 30 minutes. You got about 15 verses to it. I think that's enough for that song. How about Love Lifted Me? 441. Love Lifted Me. When I was sinking deep in sin, Love Lifted Me. 441. By the way, while we're waiting, let me tell you this. We went by 
this week Arby's here in Franklin. And they gave me this little yellow slip. And they said, would you tell folks that we're trying to hire some people to work at Arby's? And I said, I'll tell them at church Sunday. <laughs> There's so many folks that are getting government checks and they don't want to work. So young people, if you're young and you're about 15, 16 years of age, they're hiring, they said. And uh, the person that gave it to me was named Jody. Uh, a young lady, and she said, uh, please uh, tell people, and I said, I'll mention it at church, at worship uh, Sunday. said, we're hiring an inspiring team member position, a great opportunity to learn and to grow. So if you're interested in some labor and working, uh, you can check up at uh, Arby's. They said they had flexible hours, and I think that would be, it'd be, be good to check with them if you're interested in some extra income. 441 love lifted me. I was sinking deep in sin, far from the peaceful shore. Very deeply stained within, sinking to rise no more. But the master of the sea heard my despairing cry. From the waters lifted me, now safe. What do y'all think about the curtains, the draperies? Have you even noticed the difference in them? Are you shaking your head no? 
You like them? Oh, my goodness. I think they're beautiful. I don't think we pay attention. Last week, there were two complete panels missing. The panel on the left, panel on the right. I never heard one comment. I, left. I don't think any, you noticed them. Judy Barton noticed them. Uh, and then a lot of people didn't notice the extra work. I think they're beautiful, and I think that puts the finishing touches on them up there. Would you stand together for this song and then remain standing for the reading of the Scripture? We say all the time, this world is not my home. I'm just passing through. So we're going to sing that this morning. All right? You help us out. This world is not my home, I'm just a passing through. My treasures are laid up somewhere beyond the blue. We get to that in a minute. Angels beckon me from heaven's open door. And I can't feel at home in this world anymore. Oh Lord, you know I have no friend like you. Heaven is not my home, then Lord, what will I do? The angels beckon me from heaven's open door, and I can't feel at home in this world anymore. This world is not my home, I'm just a passing through. My treasures are laid up in glory, Lord, with you. I've trusted you alone to keep me safe and secure. And I don't feel at home in this world anymore. Oh, Lord, you know I have no friend like you. If heaven's not my home, then, Lord, what will I do? The angels beckon me from heaven's open door, and I can't feel at home in this world anymore. Just over in glory land, we'll live eternally. The saints on every hand are shouting victory. Their songs of sweetest praise drift back from heaven's shore. And I can't feel at home in this world anymore. Oh, Lord, you know I have no friend like you. If heaven's not my home, then, Lord, what will I do? The angels beckon me from heaven's open door. And I can't feel at home in this world anymore. One more time. Oh, Lord, you know I have no friend like you. If heaven's not my home, then, Lord, what will I do? The angels beckon me from heaven's open door. And I can't feel at home in this world anymore. And I can't feel at home in this world anymore. Amen. Amen. <laughs> okay. Remain standing. I know what happened up there. From time to time, we take some of these hymns and we change the lyrics to them. And I have my version, and that version that was up there was the version that Joshua Walt sent up. <laughs> and Joshua's not here today. So I, we weren't licking at that. I was licking at some other lyrics down here. 
If you're turning your Bibles, I'm going to turn my microphone on. Turn in your Bibles, please, to Genesis chapter 39. as we open God's Word. Help me as I try to teach it and help you as you try to listen to it. As I said earlier, I hope you'll remember Joshua, who is not here, uh, leading the hymns. He had to work today, and uh, we want to remember him, he and his family, uh, before the Lord. Genesis chapter 39. Genesis chapter 39. And for those of you who are here with us, we're so glad to have you. Today and pray that the Lord will bless you and the Lord will be a blessing that we will be a blessing to you while you are with us this day. This is uh, study number 32, if you can believe that, uh, on the story of Joseph. And I've been dealing with what I subtitled, The Secret of Prospering While Suffering. And I'll tell you, and I have told you each week what that is, and I'll repeat that again here in just a minute. Genesis chapter 39, verse 20, Joseph's master took him and put him into the prison, a place where the king's prisoners were bound, and there he was in the prison. But the Lord was with Joseph and showed him mercy and gave him favor in the sight of the keeper of the prison. And the keeper of the prison committed to Joseph's hand all the prisoners that were in the prison, and whatsoever they did there, he was the doer of it. The keeper of the prison looked not to anything that was under his hand, because the Lord was with him, and that when she did, the Lord made it to prosper. May the Lord add his blessings to the reading of his word, and let God's people say, praise the Lord. And you may be seated. Now the secret of prospering while suffer, suffering is simply this. It is believing God, and it is living by faith. Believing God and living by faith. Later on in this series of Joseph, I'm going to give you some information that I think will help you. It might be a little controversial because of a lot of things that are taught today, passing for the guise of the gospel. But that will come a little bit later on about this thing of prospering and being in good health in our Lord Jesus Christ. So I always begin by reviewing 
There are two kinds of persons in the world. If you would like to turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 2 in your New Testament, I'll point that out to you again. 1 Corinthians chapter 2. If you just want to listen, I'm going to explain it to you, God willing. There are two kinds of persons in the world. It's very interesting that when we look at persons in the Old Testament who knew the Lord, they are experiencing the same things that we experience on this side, even though there are some differences after the gospel, after Christ came into the world. But there are two kinds of persons in the world. There are natural people and they are spiritual people. If you notice in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14, says, the natural man receives not the things of the Spirit of God. They are foolishness unto him, neither can he know them, because they have to be spiritually discerned. If you, if you look at verse 12, he says, we have not received the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit which is of God, that we might know the things that are freely given to us of God. The word that's translated spiritual is the word pneumatikos, and that is a word that speaks of the person in whom the Spirit of God dwells, the person to whom the Spirit of God reveals things, the things of God, the mind of God, and the will of God. You see, in verse 12, he says, we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit which is of God, that we might know the things that are freely given to us of God. He tells us in verse 11, what man knows the things of a man, but the spirit of the man that's in him. In other words, only you know what you are thinking, and only I know what I'm thinking. And the only way I could know what you're thinking is if I had your mind in me. So he says, God has given us his spirit his mind, verse 12, so that we might know, that we might understand, that we might discern and enter into, receive and believe the things freely given to us of God. We haven't really begun to understand everything that Christ has done for us. Then the natural man, that's another, another Greek term, psuchikos, and it is a word that refers to the sensual person. That's verse 14 called the sensual person, the person like, more like a, a brute beast. He's governed by the body. He's governed by its appetites. And I told you that the natural man has no receiver. He will not and he cannot receive the things of the Spirit of God. Faith is the receiver of the things of the, of the Spirit of God. And the natural man has no faith. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the Word of God. He won't hear the Word of God, and so he doesn't, he's not able to receive the Word of God. In the second place, we, I pointed out to you that Joseph is therefore a spiritual man. The Word of God has been taught to Joseph by his father Jacob, who was taught by his father Isaac, who was taught by his father Abraham, and Joseph received that Word. He believed that Word. He confessed that Word. Specifically, the Word that came to Joseph was that the Lord of all the earth had chosen his grandfather, Abraham. You can read about that in Genesis chapter 12. And the Lord, having chosen Abraham, communicated to Abraham his mind to it. Here's what it says in Genesis 12, verse 1. The Lord said to Abraham, get out of your country, leave your kindred, leave your father's house, and go to a land that I will show thee. 
And then he made certain promises to Abraham. I'll make you a great nation. I'll bless you. I'll make your name great. You will be a blessing. I'll bless them that bless you. I will curse them that curse you. And in thee shall all the families of the earth be blessed. I believe that's a reference to Christ. It is through Christ, as I will say repeatedly, who is a descendant of Abraham, that the whole world will be blessed. So God communicated his mind by a word to Abraham. Now these words and these promises from the Lord became the foundation of the faith of the family of Abraham. And that word was passed down from generation to generation, from Abraham to Isaac, from Isaac to Jacob, from Jacob to Joseph. Joseph heard that word, received that word, believed that word, and lived according to that word. Therefore, he was a spiritual man. Now, a spiritual man or a spiritual woman is a person who lives upon the Word of God. I want you to get that now. A spiritual person is not somebody that just goes around saying hallelujah all the time, praise God all the time. Uh, A spiritual person is a person who lives according to the Word of God. Joseph heard the word, Joseph received the word, Joseph believed the word of God, and Joseph lived upon the word of God. He was a man of whom it could be said that he did not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeded from the mouth of the Lord. The fourth point that I want to make to you is that the faith of Joseph, and I made this point briefly last time, The faith of Joseph did not stand upon the dreams given him, but upon the word of God. You can read about his dreams in chapter 37. Yes, Joseph had dreams. Yes, those dreams were given to him by the Lord. But his dreams were not the foundation for his faith. All of us, like Joseph, we have dreams from time to time. But we're like Joseph in another way. That is this. We don't know what to make of our dreams. We don't know what they mean. And Joseph didn't understand his dreams either. He did not know what to make of his dreams. He found out later in his life experience, but he didn't know what to make of his dreams. And we don't know what to make of our dreams. And guess what? I'm going to help you out here. We don't have to. If you have any dreams, don't try to figure out what they mean. You don't have to. Because what you can understand and what Joseph did understand were the promises made to his great-grandfather Abraham, and now we have them in the Word of God. By the grace of God, we can understand the Word of God, and it's upon the Word of God that our faith must stand. It was upon the Word of God that Joseph's faith stood, and our faith must be the same, and not upon anything or anyone else. Now, we live on this side of the cross of the Messiah, of the Christ. So we have a more sure word than Joseph had. Joseph had a verbal word. He had a word that was passed down from mouth to mouth. See, Joseph lived before the the giving of the law. He lived before the law was given. So he wasn't under the law. He lived upon the word of God. But we have a more sure word because now we've got a written word. I'll say more about that in just a moment. Number five, salvation is by the word of God, and that in two senses. 
There are two senses in which salvation is by the Word of God. And I think I can best explain that by tracing the Word of God from eternity down to time. All right, you remember if you read the Bible that there was the Word of God in creation. Genesis chapter 1 says, In the beginning God created the heaven and the earth. How did He create the heaven and the earth? He created the the heaven and the earth with a word. And that word, we're told in John chapter 1, in the beginning was the word, the word was with God, the word was God, all things were made by him, and without him was not anything made that was made. So there's the word of God in the creation. Then secondly, there's the word of God in the Garden of Eden. God created man by his word, and then he gave commandments to man, both negative and positive, by a word. The positive commandment was, take care of the garden, dress it, and keep it. The negative commandment was, don't eat from a certain tree, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And just as salvation comes through here in the word of God, sin And judgment came into the world through disobedience to the Word of God. You can read all about this in Genesis chapter 3. Well, after Adam disobeyed the Word of God, the Lord still communicated to him by His Word. I've always found this a strange passage of Scripture in Genesis chapter 3. It says in verse 8, And they, speaking of Adam and Eve, heard the voice of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. The word that they heard walking was the word of God in pre-incarnate form. That is, before the word of God came into the flesh, the word of God was in some other form, in pre-incarnate form. And Adam and Eve heard the voice of the Lord God walking in the garden. And it was after they sinned, and they hid themselves. And the Lord called unto them and said, Where are you? And he said, I heard your voice. And I was afraid, because I was naked, and I hid myself. And ever since that time, men have been afraid of God. Ever since then. In Genesis chapter 3 and verse 15, it was by a word that God gave the first promise of salvation, the seed of the woman. So look at what we have. We have the word of God creating all things. We have the word of God in the Garden of Eden. And then in the third place, we have the word of God in the mouth of the prophets. Now Abraham was called a prophet But he was one of the earliest, maybe the earliest prophet. The prophets were the spokesmen for the Lord. Their message was, thus saith the Lord. They stood in the stead of God, pleading with men, pleading with Israel and the nations to turn to the Lord in repentance and faith. So now you have the Word of God in creation, the Word of God in the Garden of Eden, the Word of God in the mouth of the prophets, And then you have the Word of God in written form, the Bible. We have it authored by over 40 writers over a period of some 1,600 years. Now we're told in 2 Timothy 3.16 that all Scripture 
is given by inspiration of God. And that all Scripture is profitable for us. It's profitable for doctrine, as teaching. It's profitable for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God, that the woman of God, that the believer might be, if you have the old King James Version, it says perfect. That's a word that means mature, that the person, the believer, may be mature, thoroughly furnished unto all good works, or having everything you need in the Scripture to serve the Lord acceptably by grace through faith. So the Word of God in creation, the Word of God in the garden, the Word of God in the mouth of the prophets, the Word of God in written form, and then the Word of God came into the flesh. Amazing. The eternal Word by which the creation came into being, the living voice that spoke to Adam and Eve in the garden, the spoken Word in the mouth of the prophets, became flesh and lived among us. John chapter 1 and verse 14. Now I want you to turn to this passage. It is an amazing passage of Scripture. It is 1 Timothy chapter 3. We'll get to it in just a minute in the New Testament. So I'm going to give you a little time to get to it. 1 Timothy. There are two epistles from Paul the Apostle to Timothy. And this is in, I said 1 Timothy, 2 Timothy chapter 3, and I'm sorry. 2 Timothy chapter 3. We're going to look at a passage of Scripture here in just, just a moment. Just a moment. Now, I have to correct myself again. I've I, I got to change my notes up here. You don't have far to go, but go back to 1 Timothy. Go back to 1 Timothy. I just can't make up my mind whether it's first or second. So it's first Timothy. Now, I want you to listen to me while you're turning to first Timothy. It's chapter three. Our faith, our salvation is a great mystery. And there is a great revelation in the scripture. It's something that wasn't revealed really until Jesus was born. And you know what it was? It was made known by the prophets, but the prophets didn't understand it. Certainly the people didn't understand it. Or even the people to whom, the prophets who were sent to the people, they didn't understand their own message. And it was this. It wasn't revealed until the angel came to Mary. It was this. That the Messiah, the promised Savior, We don't think anything about it, but it's a great mystery. The Messiah, the promised Savior, the Christ, would be the Son of God, or would be God the Son. This was a secret that was not revealed until it was told to Mary. Now, you remember the prophet Isaiah said in Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6, Unto us a child is born... Unto us a son is given. You notice that the child is born, but the son is not born. The son is given. That is because Isaiah has in mind here by the Spirit of the Lord that this is the eternal son of God who has always been God. 
He calls him Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. And he says, of the increase of his government, there shall be no end, and he will sit upon the throne of David. He will be a descendant of David, but he will also be David's Lord. When the angel was sent to Mary, this great mystery was revealed. This is when the angel said to Mary in Luke chapter 1, the Holy Spirit shall come upon you, and the power of the highest shall overshadow you, and that holy thing which shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God. Now, when we were over in Israel a few years ago with Dr. Foster and Linda Foster, uh, I picked up a pack of matches over there, and I still have them. And on the pack of matches, it has a picture of a rabbi. And it says that he's the Messiah. That's been years ago. I imagine that guy that was on that pack of matches is probably deceased in any eternity now. But they said he was the Messiah. Down through the years, the Jewish people and other people have looked for someone to be the Messiah. I have a clipping from the Atlanta Journal from 35, 40 years ago. Got a picture of a man says, this is the Messiah. And it has an article under there, and I still have it. Now, the thing that I'm emphasizing to you is that even to the Jewish people, they didn't have a clue that the Messiah would be God himself in the flesh. They always said that if you saw God, you would die. That's what the parents of Samson said. They said, we have seen the angel of the Lord, and surely we will die from that. So this idea was totally foreign that the Messiah would be the Son of God, and if the Son of God, then God the Son. You can read in John's Gospel, chapter 10, where Jesus said, I and the Father are one, and they picked up stones to stone him. And he said, why do you stone me? For what work do you stone me? They said, we're not stoning you for any work you've done, but we're stoning you because you are only a man and you claim to be God. You are claiming to be God. John chapter uh, 10. You can read that for yourself in the Gospel of John, chapter 10, verse 30. I and the Father are one. So this was a great mystery that it would be God himself who would be the Messiah. Now you might remember when Abraham took his son, the Lord said, I want you to take your only son up to Mount Moriah and I want you to offer him to me as a sacrifice. I'm assuming that all of you know that story about Abraham. Now the Lord said to Abraham, to Abraham, take thy son, thine only son. But Abraham had two sons. He had a boy named Ishmael. But God said, the only one I count is the one I gave you. Not the one you and Sarah and Hagar worked up. The only son you have that I gave you is Isaac. Remember that. When he took Isaac up there and prepared the wood and tied Isaac to the wood and lifted his knife, you remember, 
that the Lord called to Abraham and said, Do not lay your hand upon the son, for now I know that you trust me, seeing that you have not withheld your son, your only son. Remember that? And Abraham looked around and he saw a, a ram in the thicket, and the Lord said, Take the ram and put him in the place of your son. That's a picture of substitution. That's the picture of somebody dying in the place of somebody else. Now, you got all that in your mind? Now, when Abraham and Isaac were going up to Mount Moriah, there was a conversation between them. They had two or three days to talk. And part of that conversation is recorded for us in the Scripture. And it went like this. Isaac said, Father, we've got the wood. We've got everything to make the sacrifice. We got every but where's the sacrifice? Where is the lamb? And this is what Abraham said. He said, my son, God will provide himself a lamb. Now that can be interpreted in two ways. God will provide for himself a sacrifice, or God himself will provide himself as the sacrifice. And in the light of this information that the Messiah was God in the flesh, then we must conclude that what he was telling Abraham was that God will himself provide himself as the lamb that takes away the sin of the world. Now I want you like for you to listen, look, look at this passage, <clears throat> this first Timothy, first Timothy chapter three. And again, I do not know what uh, uh, all of the uh, in different editions of Scripture that are here today. I, of course, grew up on the King James Version. I check other passages out. I sometimes come up with my own translation. But I want you to look at this, and I'm going to read it to you. It is 1 Timothy chapter 3. Years ago, there was a... Uh, uh, two brothers, one of them didn't believe the Bible was the Word of God, one did. One was a conservative, one was what we call a liberal. Now really, I don't believe in liberal Christians, except in, in giving. <laughs> Scripture says, be a liberal giver. But uh, look, if you don't believe the Bible is Word of God, you're not a liberal, you're an unbeliever. You understand what I'm saying? You either believe the Bible is the Word of God, or you don't believe it's the Word of God. If you do, then you're not. You're a conservative. If you don't, you're not a liberal, you are an unbeliever. But these two brothers, one was a liberal, both of them passed the churches. So the liberal said to his conservative brother, look, I'm going to do something, I, I've thought about it, I, you know, but I, I'm going to do it anyway. I'd like for you to fill my pulpit uh, on March, in March, March the 1st, uh, but I don't want anything controversial. Okay? I don't want anything controversial, but I want you to preach for me on March the 1st. Nothing controversial. So he said, okay, all right, I'll, I'll, I'll do that. So when he got up in the pulpit, this is the passage that he used, the conservative brother. And it is 1 Timothy chapter 3, and it is verse 16, and it begins without controversy. Without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifest in the flesh. God was justified in the spirit. God was seen of angels. God was preached unto the Gentiles. God was believed on in the world. God was received up in the glory. And it started without controversy. 
without controversy. Now let's open up this uh, wonderful, wonderful verse just a little bit. The word controversy is really not a good translation. It is made up of two words and some suffixes. It has the word homo. Now homo means the same, the same. If you said homosexual, that's the same sex, okay? Then we have the word logos. Logos is the word that's translated word. So this big Greek word is homologaminos, okay? And we've got same word, minos, meaning to say. So what this word is translated controversy really means, it means it's something we confess is something that we, all of us Christians, say the same thing about. We all agree and say the same thing about, okay? So he's saying here that we Christians confess, we believers all confess, we all agree upon this great and wonderful Mystery. Now, you notice it says, without controversy, great is the mystery. That word is mysterion. Mysterion is, means mystery. It means a secret that's hidden. We believers all confess a mystery that's been hidden from ungodly and wicked men, but it's been made plain to us by the Spirit. We just read that in 2 Corinthians chapter 2, which says, We have received not the world spirit, but the spirit that is of God, that we might understand the things that are given to us freely of God, right? The way we understand is by the spirit of God. The natural man, the sukikos man, the man who is not a spiritual man, who doesn't have the spirit of God, he finds these things foolishness. He doesn't know them. He can't understand them. He's not interested in knowing them or understanding them. But we do receive them. We do believe them. And we do all Christians confess. Now he says this is a great mystery. Now watch it. The mystery of, of godliness. That's also a little misleading because this is not talking about Godliness as opposed to ungodliness. This is talking about our faith, our worship, our being godly, the way that we worship God, what we confess as we worship the Lord, what we believe, he says. Our godliness. It is a, another Greek word, eusebia. And it means, it has to do with our reverence. Our reverence for and toward the Lord. So notice now, let's, let's go back over it. Without, without controversy, without any differences between us, we all confess this great mystery, this mystery of godliness in our worship, in our confession of faith, through our faith, we have this reverence for the Lord, and this is what we believe, and this is what we confess, that God has come in the flesh. God was manifest in the flesh. Then he says, God, as a man, was justified in the spirit. What does that mean? It means he was approved, he was vindicated, he was shown to be 
as righteous as God, though he was a man in the flesh. The Spirit of God justified the man Christ Jesus when he claimed to be God. That's what it says. He was justified. He was approved. He was vindicated. He was shown to be righteous. You remember one time the Lord said to the, to the Jews, which of you convinces me of sin? Remember that? He said, the servant does not stay in the house forever. The servant is kicked out, but the son, he stays in the house forever. In many ways, he showed them. I've read articles, and I've seen things on the History Channel when they, they talk about how the, uh, the traditional church came to understand and uh, misbelieve that Jesus was God. They're totally ignorant. They don't, they don't know anything about the Scripture. Because Paul says this is something that all Christians confess and agree on. This great mystery that was not known, not known by the prophets. They preached it. Isaiah said unto us, a son is born, a child is given, a son is born. All of these prophets pointed to the coming Messiah. They did not understand that he would be the son of God or God the son or God in the flesh. They didn't understand that. And nobody understood that until the Lord made that known to Mary. And then later when the Spirit was given, he began to teach them about this. So he says, watch this now. He says, we confess that God has come in the flesh, that God has been justified in the Spirit, that the Spirit of God testified that Jesus was who he said he was, the Lord Jesus Christ was justified by the Spirit in several ways. His words clearly showed who he was and what he was. Once the Jews sent out some guys to spy on Jesus, and when they came back, they said, well, what did you find out? They said, never a man spake like this man. We've never heard anybody talk like him. When Nicodemus, who was a ruler among the Jews, Nicodemus was a scholar he knew the Hebrew language. He knew all the traditions. He knew the scriptures. And he came out to Jesus in John chapter 3, and Jesus said, you must be born again. Nicodemus said, what? Can a man enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? And Jesus said to him, you are a master in Israel. You got PhDs in theology and DDs, and you don't understand these things? He said, if I talk to you about earthly things and you don't believe, what are you going to say if I talk to you about things from heaven? And I'm going to explain that to you in just a second. We're getting to it right here in this passage of Scripture. The Lord's words clearly showed who he was and what he was. And his works clearly showed who he was and what he was. He healed the sick. He raised the dead. He declared men and women forgiven of their sins. And the testimony of God himself showed Jesus to be who he was. You remember when he was baptized, the father spoke and said, This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. You remember when Jesus went up on the Mount of Transfiguration, he took Peter, James, and John, and the Spirit of God, uh, while, while Jesus was there, a cloud overcame him, and they saw two other people with Jesus, and who were they? One was Moses, who was the other one? Elijah, Elijah was the king of the prophets. Moses was the man that God gave the law. They were there with Jesus. 
There was Jesus, Moses, and Elijah. So here's Jesus, here's the law, and here are the prophets. Okay, so Peter, who's always running his mouth when he should be quiet, he said, it's good for us to be here. Let's build three tabernacles. One for Moses, one for Jesus, and one from Elijah. And immediately when he said that, the scripture says Moses and Elijah disappeared, and it was only Jesus left standing there, and God spoke and said, this is my son, hear him. Hear him. Moses is not in the picture, and the prophets are fulfilled. It's all in him now. Hear ye him. That's what it's all about. That's what the gospel is about. His words showed who he was. His work showed who he was. And the testimony of God showed who he was. The Father spoke at his baptism. The Father spoke on the Mount of Transfiguration. And his resurrection from the dead showed him to be who he was and what he was. All right, now let me show you something. I bet you that most of you don't know this. It says here, without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifest in the flesh. God was justified in the spirit. And God was seen of angels. What in the world does that mean? What does seen of angels mean? Now let me tell you something. And I guarantee you that most Christians don't know this. The angels themselves had never seen the divine nature of God, but they saw him when he came into the flesh. The angels themselves, which are totally different, we use the term race, a totally different type of being than human beings, the angels had no more seen God than men had seen God. They had marching orders just like we have marching orders. But they had never seen God. In fact, Peter tells us in 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 12 that the angels always desired to look into these things. The angels had never seen God, but they saw him when he came into the flesh. It tells us in Romans 16 verses 25 and 26, Paul says to the Romans, he says, to him who has the power to establish you according to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ according to the revelation of the mystery which was kept secret since the world began. Romans chapter 16, verses 25 and 26. My friend, the angels themselves, it says here, he was seen of angels. They saw God in the person of Jesus, the man, and they had never seen the essence of God before. Number seven, it says he was preached unto the Gentiles. Why did it say preached unto the Jews? Because the Gentiles were looked upon as the lowest scum on earth. That's why. They were called dogs by the Jews. So here we see that he was seen by the highest, the angels, and he was preached unto the lowest, the Gentiles. The word is ethnos here, from which we get our word ethnic, ethnicity, your, your culture, your race, we say, which is a misnomer because it's just one race. There's the human race. 
and all of the people that are in the human race, whether you're black, white, red, white, yellow, green, or whatever you are, you all came from the human race. There's one race. There's different cultures in that race. But he says here that he was, he was seen of angels. Then he was preached unto the Gentiles. So what the angels came to know by seeing, the Gentiles came to know by preaching. Then it says he was believed on in the world. The world which lies in wickedness. We must learn that we are now in war. We're not in peace. We are in war. If you are a Christian, you are in a world that is not your friend. That's what we sang earlier. This world is not my home. I'm just passing through. We're looking for a city whose maker and whose builder is God. That's what Abraham looked for, and that's what we're looking for, the heavenly Jerusalem. So he was believed on in the world, the world which lies in wickedness, and he was received up into glory. Now, I want you to turn, you might mark this passage, but I want you to turn to John chapter 3, which I mentioned earlier. John's Gospel, chapter 3. All of you have seen this. There's nothing new. I hope you've seen it. If you haven't, we're going to show it to you now. John's Gospel, chapter 3. This is when Jesus is talking to Nicodemus. And he said, as I told you earlier, he said, well, you have to be born again. I guess Nicodemus came out there and said he came by night. John's Gospel, chapter 3. And he said in verse 2, we know you're a teacher that's come from God. No man can do these miracles that you do except God be with him. Now you notice there that Nicodemus is focused on what? What's he focused on? He said, we know you're a teacher, but he doesn't say anything about his teaching. He said, I'll tell you what I'm interested in. I'm interested in those miracles. <laughs> he said, those miracles verify that you're a teacher come from God. Not necessarily. The scriptures tell, tell us that in the last days, many people are going to do what appear to be miracles. But God said, I didn't send them. My friends, if they don't teach and preach the gospel, and if they don't adhere to that passage in 1 Timothy 3 that we just looked at, you need to beware. You need to be careful. So he says here, no man can do these miracles as you do, except God be with him. Jesus just bypassed all of that. And he said, Nicodemus, verse 3, except a man be born again, this word here, this word be born again, means born from above, literally, from the Greek. You've had an earthly birth, now you have to have a birth from heaven. Okay? Unless you're born from above, you can't see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said, how can a man be born when he's old? Verse 4, can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? And Jesus said, except a man be born of water and the Spirit, I'll, I'll open that up to you some other day. He cannot enter the kingdom of heaven. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. That which is born of the spirit is spirit. Don't marvel, verse 7. Don't be surprised. Don't be shocked that I said unto you, you have to have a second birth. Then he compares it to the wind, verse 8. He said the wind blows where it wants to. You hear the sound of it. You can't tell where it came from. You can't tell where it's going. You don't know how long it's going to be here. So is everyone that's born of the Spirit. Nicodemus is overwhelmed in verse 9. He said, how can these things be? And Jesus said, you mean you're a master in Israel, verse 10, and you don't know these things? 
You don't know these things? You didn't take that in theology when you were in the seminary studying to be a rabbi? Now watch this now. This is amazing. Verse 12. If I have told you earthly things and you believe not, how shall you believe if I tell you of heavenly things? Now please take this next verse and read it in the light of the passage in 1 Timothy 3.16, without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifest. Okay, watch this. Verse 13. Jesus said, No man has ascended up to heaven, but he that came down from heaven, even the Son of Man which is in heaven. Now that bowled Nicodemus over. That knocked him completely, completely flat. I believe that Nicodemus became a true and bona fide believer. He was one of the ones who helped bury the Lord Jesus. I believe he became a disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ. But he says here that no man, and you know that no man had gone into heaven until Jesus went into heaven. He was the first one, the first man to go into heaven. Where did they go? Well, they went into a place called the bosom of Abraham, and they went into other places. But they couldn't go into heaven until the blood of the Son of God that cleansed them all sin until he died and went into heaven. No one else could go there. So there was a holding place for people who were believers who had died, but no man had ascended into heaven where God is, except the man that came down from heaven. And he said, even the Son of Man, once he's in heaven, I'm in heaven while I'm talking to you. This is the God-man. This is the great mystery which all Christians hold on to and confess. This is what we believe. I believe this is what Joseph believed. I'm going to show you in what manner, or at least a part of the way, in what manner. I believe the words of Jesus clearly showed who he was. The works of Jesus clearly showed who he was. The testimony of God the Father and the Spirit clearly showed who he was. The resurrection from the dead showed him to be who he was. He was seen of angels. They were astonished that God could become a man. That showed who he was. He was preached unto the Gentiles. He was believed on in the world. He was received up into glory from whence he came. He came down from glory in the form of spirit, in the form of God, we're told in Philippians chapter 3. But he who was in the form of God took the form of man and was made in likeness as a man and being found in fashion as a man. He humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Whereby the man Jesus has been highly exalted. That's why Lynn said what she said last week. She just said, why should we show irreverence to our Lord Jesus Christ by calling him other terms? Let's use Bible terms when we're talking about the Lord Jesus Christ. He is the exalted Son of God. He has been given a name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow and every tongue should confess that he's God, that he's the Savior to the glory of God. So my friends, salvation, listen now, has always been by the word of God. 
whether it was the word of God spoken or whether it was the word of God written or whether it was the word of God incarnate or coming into the flesh. Always been by the word of God. He is the word by which the universe was created. He is the word who walked in the garden. That voice they heard walking in the garden, that was the second person of the Godhead, the one we call Jesus. He is the word preached by the prophets. He is the word who was born of Mary, who came to save his people from their sin. And he is the word which Joseph believed. Now, we have a more sure word than Joseph had because, as I said, Joseph had a verbal word. It was just passed down by word of mouth. But we have a written word in the form of 66 books, 39 of which tell us of his coming and 27 tell of his life, his death, his burial, his resurrection by eyewitnesses. And even the angels have a testimony that Jesus is God in the flesh. Now, in conclusion... Listen to John's testimony from this English translation. This would be found in your Bible in 1 John chapter 1. Not the Gospel of John, but 1 John chapter 1. Here's what John said about the Lord Jesus. He said, We write unto you about the word of life, which has existed from the very beginning. We have heard it. We have seen it with our eyes. Yes, we have seen it, and our hands have touched it. When this life became visible, we saw it. So we speak of it and we tell you about the eternal life which was with the Father and was made known unto us. 1 John chapter 1, verses 1 and 2. Just know this. <laughs> There's no salvation outside the Word of God. It's by the written Word of God that we learn of the eternal Word of God. And it is through faith in the eternal Word of God, revealed in the written Word of God, that we please the eternal God. So as the Scripture says of Abraham, he believed in the Lord and he counted it to him for righteousness. Let me close by just reading you a passage here. It's one we've already read and I've already mentioned to you, but listen to this, what it says. This sums it up. We speak the wisdom of God in a mystery. This is 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 7 through 14. We speak the, word, the wisdom of God in a mystery. Even the hidden wisdom which God ordained before the world unto our glory, which none of the princes of this world knew, for had they known it, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. But as it is written, eye has not seen, ear has not heard, neither has it entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for them that love him. But God has revealed them unto us by his Spirit. For the Spirit searches all things, yes, even the deep things of God. What man knows the things of a man but the Spirit of the man that's in him? Even so, the things of God no man knows, only the Spirit of God. Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit which is of God, that we might know the things that are freely given to us of God, which things we speak, not in the words which man's wisdom teaches, but which the Holy Spirit teaches. We compare spiritual things with spiritual, but the natural man receives not the things of the Spirit of God, they are foolishness unto him, neither can he know them because they have to be spiritually discerned. 
The only way to know God is through faith. And that is the only way to live in this world, whether you're in prosperity or whether you're going through a trial. The way to live in this world is trusting the Lord as he's revealed in his word and believing him. Knowing that he's going to work out everything for your good and for his glory. May the Lord add his blessings to the teaching of his word. Let's stand together. Let me, let me make something, uh, make another announcement to you that I've already made. And that is this. Uh, Lynn and I are going to be driving over to the memorial service of uh, Gail Adcox. And we have a ways to drive. We have to drive over to uh, uh, Dixon. Uh, so I want to ask you to please pardon me and excuse me because after we pray, I'm going to, to leave quickly uh, so I can be there on time. I'd like to ask you to pray for Shirley Murphy. This is her brother's wife. Uh, she had Alzheimer's for uh, seven years, Shirley said, and her husband has taken care of her for all those years, and the Lord took her uh, just a few days ago. So please remember them, and also remember Todd Horton's family in the loss of his uncle, Mike Smiley. Let us pray. Our Father, I call upon you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank you, Lord, for your holy word and for all of the great, wonderful revelation that revealed to us things that have been a mystery since before the foundation of the world, kept even from the angels who desire to look into these things, but now made manifest in Jesus, who was your eternal Son come into the flesh. How in the world can we understand these things, Lord, only through faith? We trust you. We look to you. We pray that you'll make us students of your word. More than that, make us those who believe every word of it and who live our lives by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. We do pray for these families and the loss of their loved ones, that you will heal them that you will console them, that you will comfort them as only you can do. And I pray that you'll enable us to take in the word that we've looked at today and to believe in the same God that Joseph believed in, the coming Messiah, who has come in the person of Jesus of Nazareth and who has ascended back into heaven and now who sits at thy right hand to make intercession for all who come unto thee by him. We pray these things in his name and we ask it for his sake. Amen. Thank you.